you know? All right, take two. Take two. <laughs> Welcome to It's a Nice Place to Brew with Jason and George, a show about all things beer and beer making. Gentlemen, please so. broadcast responsibly. Nice. There it is. See, no more premature um, intro music itis, you know. I think they have a pill for that. <laughs> get, get, the, get, the, get the Roman company on that. <laughs> I tell you, man, they have spent their marketing dollars on social media, I'll tell you. Have they? That, yeah. their, their, their stuff is coming up everywhere. And podcasts, too. They're sponsoring all the major shows. So, so anyways, I, Roman, a nice place to brew is a perfectly appropriate <laughs> show for your product as well. So <laughs> drop us an email at nice place to brew at gmail.com. Let's talk. <laughs> yeah, I just spent some time in Florida. Come on, you gotta see you gotta seize the moment, man. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I'm capitalism. Go ahead. But you know, I was just in Florida <laughs> and man, little blue, blue pill advertisements were everywhere as one can imagine and yeah i believe it it was i believe uh, it yeah i think in in the in my week down there i heard it more times than in the past like three years anywhere else <laughs> what little blue little blue pill yeah yeah and variations on that theme yeah oh my god <laughs> Anyways, this is not a show about erectile dysfunction. This is a show about all oh, things right. beer and beer making. So, <laughs> so greatest segue ever. Welcome to A Nice Place to Brew. I'm Jason. And I'm George. <laughs> okay, getting back on track. The time of this recording is May of 2019, and we are going to be talking today about the story of the week, a story that broke within the last week that has certainly shaken the craft beer world to a pretty interesting degree. I've got a handful of notes here on this, and George and I, I think, have have quite a, enough background that I think we can we can have a we can have a discussion on it. I'm talking about uh, the merger of two very recognizable uh, names in the craft beer game, and that's Sam Adams and Dogfish Head. Yeah, George, as far as getting set up, any uh, any initial any initial thoughts before we kind of delve in? Oh man, so many, just so many thoughts. Um, you know, it, it raises a lot of questions that. I don't think anybody thought to ask, like if two of the principal craft breweries out in the world merge, does that mean that they're still craft brew, you know, or anything like that? And, (laughs) you know, there's a lot going, there's a lot to unpack here, you know, and I think that we we just got to dive in and, and, you know, take them one by one, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, before we do that, uh, what are you drinking? Oh, you know what? Um, so I bought a bunch of beer and then went on vacation. So I feel bad that I left it. And so I'm showing the the beer that I bought some love. Uh, and so <laughs> I am drink, drinking uh, Sploing. We talked about it last time. It's the one that's the uh, Mango S'mores IPA. And I'm going to attempt to not spill it on my keyboard this time around. Okay. 
Well, I just had my first foul of the uh, recording session, so <laughs> keep talking. I got a microphone fail here. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so for people that don't remember, like I said, this is a uh, Mango S'mores India Pale Ale. It's brewed with marshmallows, graham crackers, salt, and lactose, uh, and mango, obviously, and vanilla adjuncts. Uh, 7% by volume and comes out of New York. Um, you know, like I said last time, it's got a pleasant sweetness that is a little bit surprising and is a, nice. uh, you know, but it still has the bitterness that you would find mm. from an IPA. So it's kind of an interesting uh, balance there. Nice. Mm-hmm. Good deal. I don't have a big story to tell about the beer that is, that is in front of me, mostly because we've uh, we've talked about it to a great uh, to at great length here on the show already, and that's the a nice place to brew brewed American Pale Ale that George oh, and I yes. made on simultaneous brew days, and um, I'm hopeful that by the time that we have our next recording, um, a couple of snow globes will find themselves from Virginia to Darien, Illinois. And we can have a little side by side. I'm looking forward to that. Hey, they—it's not a one-way ticket, man. We that the, them snow globes got to make it the other way too, if you know what I mean. But yeah, I tried mine because I, 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 <laughs> I had that carbonating when I was out on vacation, and I got my first chance to try it yesterday. And oh, yeah, and, and, and you know, how I, I hope you didn't to- have that on a real high high setting. No, no, I think because you were gone on, for what a good week and a half. I was, yeah, and, and so I think I have it on like ten psi at about thirty-seven, thirty-eight degrees. So I mean, it's got a decent amount oh, of carbonation, okay. but it's not by any stretch of the mind over carbonated. Yeah, but okay, you know, I, good deal. I, how how did yours turn out? I mean, mine has a decent bready character that we were going for and the piney character i you know but i'm curious the biggest thing is and and looking at the ideas this shouldn't be surprising to me although it was um not a ton of like i I wasn't hitting the face with hops so how about you no it was it was largely the same um there's a lot of good things about it um i mean the beer came out amazingly clean and i'm really i'm really happy about that it carbonated very nicely. The um, the the light body is there. It's crisp. It's tasty. I think the one fault in it to me is the lack of hop character. And I think that would have been fixed by about an extra 15 minutes of um, bittering hops. Yeah, or maybe another addition, to be honest. I'm, I'm thinking think, about it as maybe another addition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would that would have worked too, and I think. I mean, either way, I'm I'm very pleased with this. Yeah, no, I think the the trouble is just the the if if you want to call it that is the biscuit malt balanced out the hops um, more than we expected it to, and I think that that's where yeah. you know we're not getting a ton of that hop character in there. Um, so you you said that it it's very clean. Uh, so yours is pretty clear. Oh, it's very clear. okay. Mine yeah. went mine went a different route. It's kind of hazy. Um. Yeah. So it how hazy? Uh, pretty hazy. It didn't flock. It did not flocculate. Pretty hazy. Yeah, okay. as well as I expected it to. So, um, yeah, that's that's an interesting thing. I wonder what the difference. I've was got there. a little. I've got a little haze okay. in mine. Not not overwhelmingly at all. You know what? 
I'll, I'm gonna. I'll tell you. I'll snap a picture. Take a take a look at this. Tell me, is yours noticeably more hazy than this? I'm real. I'm real okay, curious. Okay, I'll take a look. All right. But so good. So you're drinking that. I'm drinking this Schbloing, uh, and and we're talking about you know Sam Adams and Dogfish Head and two old school juggernauts. Yeah. yeah. Joining forces. So let's uh, l- let's talk a little bit, bit of background first. So Sam Adams got their start in the 80s and really was one of the pioneers of very, very early craft beer. Um, Sam Adams is very well recognized, is publicly traded, um, is nationally distributed, um, has more varieties than, than you could ever count. Um, this has come up before on this show, but Sam Adams was one of my first loves as far as beer. I remember being 21 Sam Adams Boston Lager was my most often pursued like go-to beer. And it was a good go-to beer because you can find it just about mm-hmm. anywhere. Um, they also had a, a huge volume of seasonal releases. And back in the early 2000s, there wasn't a ton of breweries out there that were doing seasonal releases. Um, my go-to, of course, was Sam Adams Oktoberfest, which I still contend is a fantastic beer. I look forward to it every year. Um, obviously, now the seasonal releases are far more common than than it was back in back in those times. So that's a little bit of background on on Sam Adams. For Dogfish Head, uh, George, actually, George, you you'll have uh, you'll have probably more to contribute to this. Uh, both George and I have read um, the uh, Dogfish Head founder, Sam Calagione. Something like that. Uh, I will get that <laughs> name right throughout the show. Sam Calagione wrote a, um, has a biography out where he gives the, the, he gives the whole history behind Dogfish Head, how they got their, got their start. Um, and it's kind of a how-to business growth book. It, it kind of um, moonlights in that, in that direction. Um, a little, a little diff, some common ground with Sam Adams, but a little different. George, you want to talk yeah, a little agreed. bit about I that? I mean, he, in, 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 it was a different time, man. It was, you know, when you compare the business world he came up in versus what, if we were to start one today, what we would come up in, it's definitely a different time. Uh, he literally started with his homebrew system in the back of his room, just making like two and three and four batches of beer a day to keep up with the demand in his tap house. And I think he said it was like a 10 or 20 gallon system that he just would crank out basically a, you know, just shy of a barrel at a time. And, 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 and that's how he started. And I, you know, personally, I find a little bit of, kind of solace and and camaraderie in that is in is you know that's dedication that's passion that's something that you say this is what i want to do i obviously don't have the funds to do it the way that most people would say you should but screw it i'm going to do it anyway and that's what he did and you know eventually he was able to upgrade to a multi-barrel system and his days became a lot easier um but he reminisces because it's it's jason's right the book's basically like half memoir half business how to a little bit and uh you know so he reminisces about that and and how everything is uh 
you know, came up in in his uh, in his brewery, and he ran into some struggles himself, some financial issues, obviously, and uh, you know, some other issues that were going in there. But he kept uh, things on the up and up, and he did things that you know in a very respectful way when it came to uh, a businessman and a brewer. Yep. To add a little bit of uh, more color to that, um, Dogfish Head got their start in 1995. And according to Wikipedia that I just pulled up, Dogfish Head currently produces 262,000 barrels of beer annually. One thing that really calls out to the success of Dogfish Head is the price that they release some of their beers at. Um, There's a lot of breweries out there that have seasonal releases, that have special releases, that have barrel-age versions of certain beers, fill in the blank, other, other varieties, you know, across the board, you, you can right. find it. But it takes a certain amount of quality and also brand recognition to be able to sell a four-pack of 12-ounce bottles for $36 and regularly sell out that beer. And Dogfish Head has has more than carved out their presence as far as both quality and variety in the craft brewery market. They were one of the early adopters, but even so, that doesn't that doesn't get you. I mean, that does that alone does not sell you. You know, does not sell the public to buy beer for thirty six dollars. You know, good quality does, and just. You, just ma- making you know making a good quality product and just being a reliable brand that's associated with with quality which they've definitely which they've definitely right. done yeah I, agreed and and so I, I i don't think we can say at this point the same about sam adams uh they're much more of a business focused company and don't have as much pedigree if you will of you know, that kind of working man's brewer that Dogfish does, uh, at least at this point. Um, That's it. Yeah. No, that, that, yeah, is, a, that and, is a good point. I think that, you know, I'm not throwing any shade at Jim Cook or anybody, you know, or anybody in that family. They know what they're doing. Like, he is still very much involved. He is... Um, is not just a figurehead, not just a marketing guy, not just a face on the company. Still very much involved in everything, but it's 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 different philosophy. It's a different world. And so is this one of the, the first questions I think we need to ask, is this dogfish head growing up or is this Sam Adams going back to their roots? There's there's an argument to be made in and both And it might be a little bit of both. Um Sam Adams has to answer to it, it, it absolutely could. Sam Adams has shareholders to report to. They have quarterly fi- filings that they have to uh, that they have to complete being mm-hmm. a publicly traded company. And very, you know, an acquisition in this uh you know to to this degree. Well, I mean, okay, so and, and well, okay, all right, l- okay. L- let me back up here a second. An acquisition like this certainly makes waves. And it already has just from from the announcement. And again, this is the story of the week is, you know, in the craft beer world is Sam Adams acquisition of Dogfish Head. It it makes waves in the marketplace around consumers and also around um, around the the regular um, uh, uh, finance news sources. 
Uh, this has been a huge story. Sam Adams has gotten a ton of press for this, even outside of social media. Um, it seems that, I mean, this that's one of the more interesting things about this event to me is every single person from every, uh, whether it be a news site, a blog site, social media, friends of mine, every single person has a really, really firm opinion mm-hmm. on this acquisition, both positive and negative. And I'm gonna and I'll and throughout the show I'll 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 go back and forth with uh, some of the things that I that I uncovered. Um, let's give a, let's give a little background on the on the on the sale itself. Um, Dogfish Head is privately held, so their top line sales and their profitability are not published and is completely unknown to me. I'm very curious about those numbers because I would love to see those side by side with the. Um, company sale information. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I don't have that. It has been made public, though, that the sale uh, had an estimated value of three hundred million dollars. Yeah, and is now. It's important to it's important to remember that when numbers like that get published, that's not like three hundred million dollars landing in in Sam Calagione's bank. Account. No, that's the valuation. It's right? qu- it's quite the opposite. I'll, I'll bet. It's it's the well it's it's two things. Number one, um, number one, sales like that are always in the or, or I should say mostly are always in the form of a degree uh, a certain number of cash, and then second of all, a certain number of shares of the company then get redirected to the owner of the company that's being acquired, right. and that was published about the sale too. Um, Sam Calagione acquired 400,000 shares of Boston Beer Company's stock. It also said that he acquired a volume of cash, but it wasn't published as far as to how much that is. Now, to go a degree deeper with that, um, uh, Dogfish Head um, was had a minority ownership of a, a private equity firm. Uh, the PE firm had a 15% stake in the company. And certainly because of this deal, that PE firm is now out of the picture. So they certainly got their payout. So whether or not Sam Calagione has a whole lot of extra money in his bank account right now, it's kind of looking like the answer is no. But certainly having 400,000 shares you know, of a publicly traded company that trades at actually a very high value is enough to make someone feel pretty good. Yeah, I'm sure he's not so, walking away from this upset, I'm, you know. Oh my god, no. no. I mean, and honestly, you know, and and you could draw you could draw a similar line with high-profile people like Bill Gates, um Mark Zuckerberg or Warren Buffett to a lesser extent. But when you talk about people with really really high net worths, where's all their money? It's all it's all in equity. It's not it's not sitting, you know, I mean, I'm pretty sure that Bill Gates does isn't sitting somewhere with five billion dollars in a checking account with Northern Trust. <laughs> you know, I feel pretty confident <laughs> about that. Where so where is all of his money? It's in right. Microsoft stock. That's it. That's it. So, it's, so you know, that, I do feel the need that sometimes sometimes you got to get reminded of that. That's that that's not all cash on hand when people talk about net worths. Right. Yeah. It's it's you know, uh, properties they own, it's, uh, you know, investments they have, it's all kinds of stuff. Um, I need you to put your accounting hat on for a second. Um, they, it's on, 
you have talked about this in this conversation as a sale or as acquiring, but everything I'm seeing says merger. Merger. Now, do you think that yeah. is purely a marketing thing or, you know, because I know there's a fundamental difference, even if a small company is being merged into a large company from an accounting perspective, isn't there a fundamental difference between a merger and an acquisition? It can be. Uh, and I, I guess I'll preface this uh, by saying that transactions of this type are every single one of them is unique. Um, mm. in this, in this example, it's, it's a little bit more clear. Um, Boston beer company is acquiring dogfish head. That is a fact. It's, it's very clear, but to your point, yes, all the major publications have used the term merger. I believe the reason for that is because the dogfish head brand will remain in the marketplace as it is. We'll stick around. Okay. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. And the other thing is in these kinds of M&A scenarios, eventually, aren't these records, especially since uh, Boston Beer is a publicly traded company, aren't these records um, publicly available? Uh, Boston For Boston Beer Company, yes. Um, they, have, they are obligated by the SEC, SEC rules to publish an annual report, to publish also quarterly reports. And major transactions with this, you know, and such as this, which certainly qualifies, at, is de- should be a separate report, right? Well, n- you know what? It, to that degree, it's not. You are obligated okay. to do a filing to announce the acquisition. Um, it's a footnote in your financials, and it's also usually a filing. There's a term. Uh, there's a term uh, within finance. Is refer- it's referred to as a eight K. And an 8K is filed whenever a special event happens that's significant and has possible impact to a shareholder. Now, certainly, this has impact to the shareholders of Boston Beer Company to the positive degree because you know the stock has taken sure. off in a pretty big way since since the announcement. I think that I think the question that you're, you're that you're probably curious about is will we ever get to see the financial statements of Dogfish Head as its own standalone entity? Now that they're part of of Sam Adams, and the answer really is no, at least in mo in most scenarios. Well, yeah, I mean, ideally, I'm also in my head kind of planning a super nerdy beer accounting mashup, you know, meeting between you and I to kind of like pour over whatever report or the next quarterly filing of Boston Beer to see how this went down. You know, that's um, it, it, you know, that's. I, because like I said, I'm I'm super curious about like all the aspects of this because it kind of informs the idea of is this a good or bad thing? That was because I think you know if we look at the filings, we'll be able to tell was this a situation where Dogfish was kind of strong armed into this, or was this you know a amicable marriage like they want people to. Uh, to believe it is, you know, or like kind of what, and maybe I'm overstating that, but I have a feeling that, you know, some of that would come to light in that. Well, let's, let's delve into that a, a little bit further. And I think we know of a couple bits and pieces and, and maybe we can kind of draw something up. So from the articles that I have, have seen, uh, Dogfish Head came out very strong on the market. They were one of the early adopters. They were founded in 1995 to, to the, to the point that you made earlier 
they did get their start, you know, on, I mean, he got his start on a home brewing system and then just couldn't keep up with demand and, you know, just, you know, grew very naturally just from, you know, from that kind of base. You know, it's a, you know, it's a great story. You know, it's mm-hmm. one that every aspiring entrepreneur, uh, you know, aspi- you know, has, has goals and aspirations to reach. Um, but the articles that I had seen, um, Sam or not Sam Adams, Dogfish Head did hit a, a kind of a plateau as far as their growth, and it timed kind of evenly with the um, with the the rising of of craft beer in general. That makes sense on a lot of levels. They did. I mean, you know, you have you went you go from having one or maybe a handful of players in the quote unquote craft beer market in the early two thousands, and then circa 2012 then you know a whole bunch of new players came on the market yeah, then next year you know a few thousand yeah. more then the next year a few thousand more and you know on and on and on so their market concentration or at least domination of the market took on a different appearance also the landscape of the market changed significantly also the major brewers started to lose their their overall share of of beer in the market, um, but that but that loss to the major uh, breweries was spread among a much higher volume of new players that was now part of what we now re- you know refer to as the craft brew scene. So those are both good and bad things for Dogfish Head. All that being said. I did see an article that within the last fiscal year, Dogfish Head grew at a rate of 9%. And that's not anything to scoff at. You know, I mean, no, I, mean, th- I, mean if, I mean, I yeah. mean, especially in, I did not know this until I did my research prior to this episode. And George, I don't think we've talked about this on, on past shows, but overall in the United States, overall consumption of beer is on the decline. Now, Ugh. just kind of digest. Now, what's what's this country I know, come to? I, I know, and, and just sit, sit and digest that for a second. <laughs> um, there is an ever-growing number of breweries in the country. There's, you know, there's a ton of experimentation, um, varieties to the degree that we have never seen in in our lifetime. But that also coincides with an overall drop in the overall market of of total beer consumption. That's interesting. These two things don't exactly yeah. kind of coincide with each other, but and and, and I know I'm going I'm going a big it. circle here, and I'm going to get back to Sam Adams in a second. This is relevant, but um, okay. I read this on U- Yahoo Finance with beer in general losing national market share to wine and liqueur, according to a recent Beer Institute report. Beer makers such as Boston Beer have turned to hard uh, hard seltzer and ciders to help counter the trend. So right there, it talks about how Boston Beer is looking for options outside of its core market to increase, you know, not only its bottom line, but also um, but also its shareholder value or its perceived value in the marketplace. You know, you raise an interesting point because what you're basically talking about there in any other industry would be diversification. And that, you know, of all places, Men's Journal actually had a pretty good article. It was actually called, Why Did Sam Adams Buy Boston and Buy Dogfish? Okay. And 
one of the principal things is if you look at the portfolio, the beer portfolio of Boston beer versus Dogfish Head, they lock in. Like Dogfish Head is much more on the ale and hoppy and eccentric side of things. And um, Boston beer is much more on the lager, um, multi-traditional side of things. And so they kind of, you know, one of the things that uh, apparently Jim Cook and, and Boston Beer looked at was Dogfish Head complements Boston Beer. And with what you're saying about wanting to be able to reach out to a wider market, diversification and all of that, it just kind of makes sense because that is another way to do that is, is they can fill in products that they don't have right now. Uh, much like you're talking about with the cider and the seltzers and things, yeah, with a, uh, a a beer company that makes beer that they don't like. I mean, they, Boston Beer has a like a handful of IPAs and things like that, but nothing like the Dogfish Head beers, you know. And that so so that kind of plays into that whole thing. That's no, that's a that's a really good point. I hadn't thought. I mean, you're right. I mean, Boston Lager, you know, the core, the core beer of of Sam Adams, Lager, um, Dogfish mm-hmm. Head, not not as heavily and, into that. So, yeah, that definitely balances out the overall portfolio that Sam Adams can offer. Yeah, I mean, think about all the beers you think about when when someone says Sam Adams. Do you is one of them an IPA? No. No, you're right. Yeah. And think about think about Dogfish Head. Is one of them a lager? Uh, no. No, you're you're hundred percent right. <laughs> Man, that's no, that's so well said. That, uh, yeah, and that's that's kind of what you know, I mean they basically interviewed and, and actually did journalism and which is great. And that's what the the representatives from Sam Adams and Dogfish Head were saying, but it just makes all kinds of sense to me. Like I'm sure there's you know more cynical business reasons on the back end, but even from that perspective of diversification and wanting to expand the line, they had a couple choices there: expend what you know would essentially amount to R and D to come up with new recipes to get into that market. Or buy those recipes in the company that makes them, <laughs> and <laughs> make hey makes sense to me. So let's so. Uh, here's a, here's another another number to put out there. Um, Sam Adams stock okay. is up somewhere between twenty and twenty five percent over the last thirty days. Yeah. Wow. What's that in dollars? Like, what did they go with? What their valuation? Sam, go Sam Adams from? is currently trading at three hundred and forty three dollars per per share. Wow, that is yeah. That's that's now crazy. I now I don't yeah. I don't have the information okay. as far as to the total number of shares that are out there in the market, but think about that if you're a Sam Adams shareholder that because of because this news story broke, or largely because this news story broke. You've seen your uh, your equity investment go up twenty five percent in thirty day time in a thirty day time frame. I'm happy as yeah. hell if I'm owning Sam Adams stock right now. 
unfortunately I'm not. I can't sit here and say, yeah. man, hey, I'm I'm sitting pretty right <laughs> now. But if I man, anybody who is, man, you, you gotta be loving life right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that is that's a that's a decently sized increase. Now looking at the um oh that's just one day. That's dumb. Why am I looking at that? Okay. Uh yeah, I mean, even six months, year to date, one year, it's the highest it's been in like five years. Is is it? Uh, yeah, you're right. Oh wow. Well, I mean that. that I mean Good that right them. there. Uh, just based on that, on that increase, there's an argument to be made that Sam Adams just hit one out of the park right here. You know, for you know, for a, for a price oh, yeah. of three hundred million dollars, and again, without seeing Dogfish Head's financials, I, I I I can't sit here and say if they overpaid or underpaid for that. But that that number right there is hard to argue with. I mean, your shareholders are all just as happy as can be if you're going up twenty five percent in thirty days, especially when the um, market cap for Boston Beer Company is four billion. So I mean that's an three hundred million is an inconsequential. But again, you said like you said, you're because you're absolutely right. That wasn't all cash no, on the no, table. No, it was not. You know that, but three hundred million in the long run, not. I mean it's incon. It's not a trivial amount of money, but it's not you know, anything crazy I like just, that either. I wonder you know? if I can find it, and I'll I'll look for this while we're talking. I wonder if I can see exactly how much of that sale was actual cash. I imagine one of the financial reports that they mm. had to file with the SEC may have may have some information about that. But um, here's here's okay, one thing so- that I wonder about, and obviously with Dogfish Head not being public, there's no way for me to know this. But I am I'm certainly curious of whether or not Dogfish Head's financial structure put Sam in a position where he had to sell. Did he have did he have a loan in place that well, he just simply couldn't service? He didn't have the cash flow for I, I don't know. I mean, I, I many companies unless he really overextended himself, I have a that hard time believing that. With company, you know, at companies at all levels. Oh, it does. Not to mention a company like Dogfish Head, yeah. you know, the value in the company is is largely in the brand recognition. You know, they I mean, in the marketplace that the value of that is well, well overstated, you know, well beyond a company's cash flow or even bottom line profit profitability. And that may seem crazy to a lot of people, but that's actually true. Um, when you're building when your goal is brand value, you're what you're looking towards is top line sales growth and how much money you make at the bottom line becomes far less important. So basically, your survival as a company depends on your ability to continue to raise capital and also to service those uh, financial investments that are that come your way. I, I I feel that in all likelihood, that's probably the way that Dogfish Head operated. But again, what their profitability mm-hmm. is and what their financial structure is, I have no way of knowing. When you move out here and we open up our brewery, let's be careful of that. I don't want to fall into that trap. That is not a. That's not something that. Uh, I guess I, I I get where that's coming from, but I I'm experiencing that in my current company, and I see that with a number of different things. And you can easily get into a situation where 
you leave yourself absolutely no choice to do to make business decisions based on financial obligations like that. And that is that can lead to no bueno situations. Again, with in the case of Dogfish Head, just something tells me that's not the case here. And I think Dogfish Head, what I what, what I kind of envision is they hit a market cap, like an artificial market cap of, well, actually, it's kind of a natural market cap of they could only go so far with the styles and beers that they have. And the, as <laughs> praise the Lord, hallelujah, the IPA craze is kind of starting to dwindle. <laughs> and I think what they were looking at here is, all right, as people are starting to get away from these smack you in the face, hoppy beers, what do we do? And, and the, so the same situation that Sam Adams runs into of how do we get new recipes? How do we get new beer? How do we get new distribution? Things like that. You know, they're presented with those same situations. So do you think they just didn't have, they didn't have enough ideas to come to the table and say, okay, we're going to reinvent ourselves in the line of, you know, being away from IPAs and being more of a different type of brewery and it became just more advantageous to sell. Is that what you think? Yeah, because it's, it's, I think so. And I think that's where you were talking about that brand recognition and things. Oh yeah. People know, don't know fish head. People know dogfish head IPA. So okay, so like, all right. that is one continuous thought in people's head, right? So, so their name is synonymous with IPAs. You're absolutely correct. You know that is that is where the recognition is. Um, okay, no, that's that's a very fair point. Yeah, you know what? So you want to look go, something? I'm going to go. But... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm going to go in a radically different direction. So go ahead. I, I'm going to shift gears a little bit too, but oh, okay. so, um, you know, you, you are looking something up, but the, in the meantime here, it's the question on everybody's mind. And this is the polarizing question that I've seen on like Twitter and social media and conversations with people and things. So Sam Adams buys dogfish head. Are they still craft? Or have they hit that tipping point where they are now? <laughs> the, is this where you were going? No, no. Um, I was going to talk about. No. I was going to talk about the concept of reinventing. You know, a company. You know, among oh, a new okay. vision and a di- and a different target. It's going to go way away from from craft beer. So, but I, I'm more interested in talking about what you're what, where you're going. So, go ahead. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. All right. So, so are they still craft beer? So, you know, I thought about that. And so I kind of looked up here on in the Brewers Association. What is the def as close to quote an official definition of craft beer that you can have? And so I figured the Brewers Association that actually gives people the label of independent craft certified on the bottle tend to be somebody that is a little bit at least authoritative in this. So their definition of craft brewery, uh, an American craft brewer is a small and independent brewer. So small 
annual production of 6 million barrels or less of beer, uh, or approximately 3% of U.S. annual sales. Independent. Less than 25% of the craft brewery is owned or controlled or uh, equivalent economic interest by a beverage alcohol industry member that is not itself a craft brewer. And Brewer has a TTB Brewer's Notice and makes beer. I think that's just them saying that they want money from the brewer to say he's a craft brewer. But, you know, so basically that there's a craft brewer at the <laughs> helm and it's not just, you know. It, it, so so there's a couple elements there. Small, under 6 million barrels, independent, 25%, uh, less than 25% is owned by a VC or an economic interest or imbev or anything like that. And it has a brewer at the helm. Those are the three things. Dogfish head, tick, tick, tick. Absolutely. Sam Adams has flirted with an annual production of more than 6 million barrels. There was a couple years where they actually did 10 but they saw a drop off. And so they're under the 6 million barrels again, independent. That's the question. Can they be considered independent? And the brewer thing, I think they still have. So that is is so pretentious sounding just, Oh my gosh. Which one? I I cringe just, just hearing just that article and just the structure of it. Like, like there's certain qualifications that one must meet in order to be labeled as a craft brewery. So that basically if you get too big, you're no longer a craft brewery. That is such bullshit. Yeah. I hate that article. Okay. And that's totally fair. And, and, and to be perfectly honest, when I read it, I was like, yeah, all right, this is somewhat arbitrary, but sure. You know, but at the same time, you got to draw the line somewhere, right? Like, I, I, no one's yeah, going to say that Imbev is a craft brewer, you know? Okay. I mean, that's fair. And listen, I'm all for the, you know, the concept of doing your own thing on a small to mid-sized scale. You know, I love those aspects of, of, of the craft, you know, of being around craft beer. But at the same time, is is that what is that what craft beer is meant to be? It's supposed to fit this mold that you know that this article you just read is supposed to go into. To me, that's the opposite of of what craft beer was, you know what? was founded on. You know, this. I you mean, are, go ahead. You're making the punk rock. You're uh, making yes, the punk rock. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. Hundred <laughs> percent. Honestly, that's you know, exactly um, right. When you were reading that article, that's exactly where my brain right, my brain went. This is pretentious <laughs> punk rock crap. If you get too well, big, yeah. you, what what happened, You're you no man? You man. sold out, yeah. man. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So let's set that aside. And so, but I think okay. So let's set that aside for a second. The the idea. Okay, so sorry, uh, I, I I I'm trying to find no, the best way to good. say this. This is good. Yeah, keep going. Let's set that aside for a second. The spirit of this is: have they grown to the point where they no longer have the craft beer values? Is a 
purchase is the purchase of dogfish head a sign that Sam Adams and by extension dogfish head no longer have the independent craft beer values that most people in our industry and enthusiasm and fandom would consider to be craft brew values or are they operating like a business like a imbev or um um miller cores or anything like that where i'm gonna go back to the punk rock thing where they've <laughs> sold out they're no longer <laughs> punk rock you know and you know what so I think, think I think that's a big part. I think that's a big part of the emotion that's coming from the marketplace since the announcement of this acquisition, because I do I do think that that resonates with people, and I and I think that's part of the um, the areas where there's some been some backlash since the announcement came out is is there a fear that um, Dogfish Head is now quote unquote corporate. And are they going to lose right. the things that people recognize them for and have grown to love them for? Is that is that going to be lost uh, with them? I spoke with one of my close friends just within the last couple of days, and he is he has been loudly anti merger since the announcement came out to the point that he immediately he he uh, sent me a text message the day the day that it happened, and he was like, "I do not approve of this." So a couple of days ago, we were, so a couple of days we were ago we were talking, and he and he drew a um, he drew a comparison that I think has some value, and the the example he gave was Goose Island, um, the, one of the most mm-hmm. prominent breweries here in the Midwest, located here in Chicagoland. A uh, handful of years back, they got purchased by AB InBev, and since that time, it's his opinion that. The quality and variety offered by Goose Island has noticeably gone downwards. Now, that's one person's opinion. That's not to say that the whole marketplace believes that. Um, there's there's statements that can be made on both sides of the fence about whether or not InBev has handled you know the acquisition of Goose Island properly. There's pluses and minuses on both sides, um, but regardless. Um, I get why certain people would um, would look to the past and see that and be like, whoa, we cannot have a repeat of this. I'm curious, just as a somewhat of a tangent, do you agree with his assessment of Goose? Like if you open up a 312 or a Goose <sighs> IPA, you know. You know what? I'm, <laughs> I'm surprised. It's... <laughs> I like. I've always liked Goose. I don't love Goose. I, I just. I don't have enough of a connection to them that to to say one way or another. I mean, three one two is a good beer. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but I'm not going to go far out of my way to get it or to, or to drink right. it. I mean, I, there's there's plenty of beers that I'll drink before that. Um, but for what they do, I, I would never go on record anywhere saying that that's a bad brewery or they're putting out bad product. But I'm just I'm not close enough to say their product was noticeably different before and after acquisition. And for the record, I purposefully screwed screwed up three one two. I know full well it's three one two. Wait, just what did you say? I didn't even catch the, it. I, I said three twelve. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway. Um, 
So for for people who don't know the Midwest, three one two is the Chicago area code, which is why it's called three one two. So, um, but anyway, so how do you feel? I mean, how do you? I I, I kind of get where he's coming from, but is that a purely emotional response to say? Is that the whole? They sold out. They're not punk anymore. Response. Well, I mean that response just you know? by its own nature is emotional. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, yeah. So whether or not I mean is I mean I think I think the question becomes is that a valid emotional response to some yeah. degree? Probably, but I mean is that is that coming from you know a you know a purely logical and correct place? Is a different conversation. I mean, time will yeah, time will tell th- if if Dogfish Head's overall product will change noticeably. Uh, based on what we've talked about here, my inclination is that they won't. They they've carved out their staple in one core area. Um, the idea that they would veer noticeably away from that just doesn't seem like a logical way to go. So, I mean, certainly, I mean. We we can look back at this in twelve months, and we can have much more of a clear picture than we have right now. Right now, it's largely hypothetical. Um, but so, question for you, and, and and I'll do my best to answer this too. But um, other than not changing and and diluting the style and and fundamentally changing like what one twenty minute and sixty minute IPA are. What does Boston Beer need to do in the next 6, 12, 24 months to counter that idea? Like, what do, what do you think they need to do to say, we are not here to strip out what Dogfish Head is and what they, what they do. We're just here to complement that and be you know and 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 own them basically you know so i so i gotta take off my accountant hat and put on my consultant hat huh yeah well you <laughs> okay. know, like i said i'm gonna try right. to do the same but i just All thought right. of the question so okay well okay <laughs> I, i'm gonna i'm gonna divide your question into, into two points at first i'm gonna okay. i'm not gonna say what i think they should do i'm gonna say first what i think they will do Number okay. one, I do not believe that they will buy another craft brewery in the next twelve months. I think what oh, they that would be will smart. do, yeah, I I really don't think that they'll do that. What I think they will do is they'll make another acquisition um, in a different beverage market. Now we talked earlier in the show about um, about them branching off into hard seltzer and ciders and certain other non beer beverages to add to their portfolio and further diversify. If I'm a betting man, I think what Boston Beer will do is they'll make another acquisition with a similar product. Maybe alcohol, maybe not alcohol. But I think I think their goal right now is diversification. And Dogfish Head, like we were saying earlier, because Sam Adams is not an IPA-centric brewery, I think I think that acquisition did add a, an array of diversification they didn't have before. So I think that's their mindset, and uh, and yeah, again, I think that's what they'll do. They'll make another acquisition 
um, in a non-beer related field. So okay. to answer your question about what I think they should do, actually, I was going to say it was going to be two different answers, but I'm not, I'm not sure that it is. Um, if I'm the CFO of Boston Beer Company, I think that's I think that's an appropriate way to go. That's a response to market conditions. Um, it's a step in the way of diversification, which is going to add health to your overall portfolio. Um, and in the um, in the aftermath of this announcement, you've seen the shareholder value increase to the degree that it has. So just thinking out loud right here, if you don't make another craft beer acquisition this year, which again, I really don't think they'll do, is it to their advantage then to just do that and then just be quiet? Just come out with your, mm. annual, your annual releases, let Dogfish Head do its thing, maybe even just you know throw some of their higher volume uh, batches onto uh, Boston Beer's main, main brewery in Massachusetts. That's that you know that's a logical move, and just let things play out for a year. To me, I think yeah, that, just, I think that makes good sense. I, I agree, and I, here's what I'll add to it because from a financial standpoint, that all makes sense. From a maintaining your craft beer, uh, you know, to the point where, I mean, let's face it, craft beer. If they, if you want to survive, you need those beer snobs. You need those beer snobs in your corner because they're the ones evangelizing for your product. They're the ones drinking a good portion of, of your product and things like that. So you okay. need those guys on let, your let side. Me, let me ask you a question: Is that who Boston Beer is playing to? That crowd? It, do you think that's no? Their but goal? it's who Dogfish is. Okay. All right. Yes, I agree. Oh, I see what you're saying with this acquisition. Yeah. Because now, I mean, yes, we're, we're talking about we're talking about one combined company right now. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, fair enough. So the, this newly merged Boston Beer, I think part of them is trying to play to this, but it's just like any fandom; it can backfire on them. So oh, I think primarily, what I would say is, other than don't make any other uh, craft beer acquisitions, because I completely agree with that. From a per purely beer optics, craft beer optics perspective, don't change Dogfish Head at all. Okay. If you okay. have, if they have beers like their Burton Baron or the Liquid Truth Serum IPA that are net losses for the company let them be for at least 12 months okay number one i i don't think that dogfish has a ton that are net loss losers for the company but even if they are let them be show people that you're not here to change who dogfish head is and if they don't live up to corporate expectations of what they should be and making X amount of money that, you know, it's going to be axed because that's the mentality that people are worried they're going to have. So play to that and let them lose a little bit of money if you need to. That's a fair point. I know as a, I mean, I mean, it's, I, mean I don't know the portfolio well enough to know, do they have product lines that are just simply dead weight? And if they do, 
Well, I see. I mean, I, I definitely see your point. You know, in the face of now being part of a public company, that's getting the axe. There's no question about it. Yeah. But um, that's, I mean, that's a hopefully a small subset of their overall portfolio. But I, I yeah, hear what it, you're it, saying. I mean, I think, I think, I think, I think your overall message is be as hands off as possible. Let Dogfish Head do its thing. And I agree with you. I think that makes, I think that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. At least while it settles for the next twelve months. Right. Absolutely. You know, and then phase things out, not just like, okay, half the line is now gone. You know, phase things out and phase things in. Show that, you know, dog because dogfish has done that. You know, they've they've takes taken ones that haven't worked and they've phased them out and they've brought something else in. If I think if we see a an attrition of their beer line to where it goes from the I don't know about a dozen or 20 that it is right now. Uh, let's see, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. About 20, 25. If that goes from 25 different st- different beers to 10 or 12, that's going to raise some eyebrows. Okay. Very good point. Yeah. So, did you know hmm. Dogfish Head has a distillery? I don't think so. Yeah, they have a whiskey finished in rum casks. I kind of want to try it. Yeah. Well, and it makes me... just got bored? Well, so here's the thing. It's like (laughs) Dogfish Head is a brewery, distillery, restaurants, an inn. They have an inn. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I remember the, the book talked about the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. The restaurant was a big part of them coming up. But now they have a right. an inn as well. So, what do you think? Do you think those were part of the acquisition as well? Does Boston Beer now own an inn? <laughs> yeah, I imagine so. <laughs> I mean, unless you unless know, it was spun unless, off. Unless you know, you know. The part of the deal was was Sam was Sam keeping that for himself. <laughs> I can't think of a competitive reason why Boston Beer would want to ha- want to own an inn, but. You know, <laughs> You know, if, if it's got decent resale value, then maybe there's an argument there. But, you know, I imagine they probably wouldn't want to deal with that. Yeah, it might have gotten spun so. off. You know, so but uh, yeah, but yeah, okay. That would be my suggestion: is is basically don't fundamentally change what Dogfish Head is in any drastic way. You know, even if it's not the most profitable thing that it could be. Let it be that. Let it be punk for a while, you know? Agreed. God, there's so much speculation here about just, you know, how profitable was Dogfish Head or were they not? Right. I have no idea. I don't either. <laughs> I, don't I guess either. that's why this this makes for good con- good conversation <laughs> because <laughs> these are all great ideas that we're talking about. I re- I mean, this I, I really enjoy this. Um. I, I just I wish I had a few more facts at my fingertips to back up some of these things that we're saying. I agree. But, so you you yeah. had said that you had a couple other points. Did you have another point that you wanted to bring up? Well, here's here's one, and this will be one of my final points on the topic. Um, I did read an article and, and get ready for this. It's speculated that in the future we may see the day where Sam Calagione takes takes the helm as the CEO of Boston Beer Company. Whoa. Think about that. Yeah. 
That would be interesting. Because the, because the, C, you, the, the CEO of, let me see if I can find. Uh, it's David um, Berwick. Berwick. Or yeah. Where right was now. that article that I found? Who is this dude? Is he a beard dude? Yeah, this is the article here. Where is it? $20 million compensation. However, industry, okay, here we go. Current Boston Beer CEO David uh, Berwick is expected to oversee the merged operation. However, industry insiders are already speculating that Sam Claggione, age 49, could at some point assume the role, considering both founders share certain quirky entrepreneurial similarities. And the fact that the deal crowned by the Claggiones um, makes them the company's largest non-institutional shareholders behind Coke and gaining more than 400,000 Boston beer shares. You know, and honestly, I think that might be a good move for Boston beer as a whole because I'm reading about this dude's background and he is the CEO of Boston beer and the president of Pete's Coffee um but his past this this berwick guy his berwick guy yeah this past okay. his past um experiences with weight watchers international pepsico so i okay. suppose that's beverage and um he joined and, and so he's a yeah, career ceo Pepsi- well seems that way yeah and uh well, actually he served as president. No, this is his first time he's been a CEO. He's been, but he's a, he seems like a career executive, basically. Okay, so, all right, that's 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 fair. He's got a he's got a diverse background. He's been a lot of places, a lot of you know some you know some different industries, and heck, he he doesn't have another brewery in his background either, does he? Uh no, he doesn't. So at okay. the end of the day, this right. this isn't a beer guy. Like he's not, and and and, and so it kind of rings that this might be his appointment might have been a more of a business decision than a beer decision. Which I know companies got to make money and everything, but you know you got to have the spirit. <laughs> yeah, they do. You got to have the spirit of brewing at the highest levels of your company if you're going to have a beer company. I'm sorry, you just do. And okay, all right. So if uh, Mr. Dogfish Head comes in and is put into the executive ranks. I think that'd be good for Boston Beer. I think the idea of that is fascinating, and I hear what you're saying about um, Sam's beer background. Mm-hmm. You know, in theory, would would just put him in a prime spot. He knows the market. He knows the business. He could step right in, and you know, things would, in theory, be seamless. But here, here's a couple things to remember. Number one, uh, Sam's background is totally different than like a guy like like this Berwick guy, who's a career executive, um, has been around public companies, has been around large companies, and is you know just knows you know running a large company just from the top down. Mm-hmm. Sam's a grassroots guy, you know. He's he's a he's an entrepreneur before he is a CEO, no question about it. True. So number one, I, th- that begs the question of whether or not Sam would be satisfied in a CEO's position with a company like Boston Beer. 
that has to answer to the SEC and public company shareholders. That's a different animal than what Sam has done day by day for the last 20 plus years. So does it make sense for Sam to be in a situation where, and it's kind of ironic his name's Sam, but anyway, um, for him to be in a position of like a CEO or like a lot of companies, like one of the most important ones, because I work in the technology industry, one of the most important people that we have in our company is our CTO. Does it make sense for him to be in okay. like what would be the equivalent of a CBO? You know, <laughs> chief beer officer. Yeah, yeah. Can a brewing, I, can I, brewing officer or something. Can like I that. apply for that position? First of all, <laughs> that's totally one of us when we open our own thing. So one of us is going to be the CBO, chief you know? brewing officer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but does it make sense for him to be? in a more operational capacity than, you know, just a pure, purely executive capacity. I like where you're going with that. And I, I think that's a more sensible direction. Right. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Cause I, I think, you know, but having him on the board and having him have that influence to say, and, and, and then even putting him on the board to say, I want this person to have this level of influence in the company I I think could only do really good things for Boston beer as a whole. Well, his name alone goes a significant, you know, goes a significant distance because I really, of the presence that Dogfish Head has. Yeah, but I really hope they just don't use him as a figurehead marketing guy. You know, I mean, they haven't done that to Jim <sighs> Cook, so why would they do that to him? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, again, this is, I mean, that's a different company entirely than what, what Sam has been a part of. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, I forgot this until a second ago. Sam was hosting a TV show on one of those cable channels. They were? So, yeah. Uh, look up his bio. You'll, you'll see it. I, don't, I can't remember the name offhand. But okay. anyways, that begs the question right there. Does Sam want to write books and host TV shows and maybe even be a recipe guy? Is that where Sam wants to devote his time versus doing big company stuff? Right. Yeah. No, I get that. And the uh, the TV show you're talking about is Brewmasters. Okay. There you go. What channel was that? Discovery. Discovery. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Well, well. Back to my my, my point to is your point, there's yeah. a big difference between the guy that wants that, that wants to spend his day doing stuff for Discovery Channel and doing stuff for shareholders. Yeah, which there's is a, kind of where there's a whole world of difference between those two things. Agreed. Which is kind of where my head's at. That I think the guy that wants to do stuff for Discovery Channel wants to be more operational than he does bureaucratic and financial and executory, you know? Agreed. Agreed. So now I'm kind of, that makes me think to myself is what presence is Sam going to have? And is it going to be minimal to none? It could be. I feel like I'm talking myself out of the possibility of Sam (laughs) being the CEO of, of Boston beer. Now, the more that we're talking about this. Yeah. So now I'm thinking small, and now my brain goes to, okay, well, how small? <laughs> I mean, there's a chance he takes his money and goes home, you know? Uh, 
There's the small yeah, chance. I think there's a strong possibility for that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he even maybe he even starts his own uh, his own brewery all over again under a different name. Well, unless he's unless maybe he has a non sours. unless he has a non compete, <laughs> he you know he uh, yeah, that's that's potential too. Yeah. Certainly, he couldn't he couldn't be an IPA centric brewery now. There's no question about that. No, there's no way he could go out and start there's another IPA brewery. Maybe he'll steal my idea and be like, uh, open up the brewery that's all dark beers. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it, Sam. <laughs> Don't do it. That's my idea. <laughs> Patent pending. Mine. <laughs> <laughs> See, now I'm talking about it on a podcast. This is officially the worst kept secret ever. <laughs> Oh man. So yeah, I mean, okay, so final thoughts. Is this oh. is this a good thing or a bad thing? Okay, um I'm going to I'm saying good thing all around. I think it's good for Boston beer. I think it's going to be good for Dogfish Head. I think it's good for Sam too. And for the beer nerds all around the country. I guess time will tell, but being the realist that I am, do I think that the Dogfish Head product is going to be noticeably different because of this merger? My answer is no. Okay. So I, I guess I guess that to wrap it all around, I think it's a good deal all around. Okay. Yeah, I mean, my assessment's kind of similar. I, I'm cautiously optimistic is where I'd say with it. You know, the, okay. okay. The fact that one of the motivating factors is how complimentary Dogfish is to Boston beer, and that's just inarguable. You, there's no reasonable argument to say they're not complimentary beer companies in the in, yeah. in the styles. Oh, agreed. The fact that that is the case tells me they're not going to make a ton of changes out of the gate, and the fact that. Um, Boston Beer Company, for all of its faults, has always had quality beer at its um, core. And I know there's some people that will tell me that that's not true, but I do. I believe it's true. I, you know, I bought, there's a reason that Boston Lager has maintained its flavor and its body and its ingredients and its quality over the years where Coors Light hasn't, you know? I and mean, there's just a reason for that. Yeah. And No, I 100% agree. And I so I'm cautiously optimistic with this whole merger in general. So, all right. That what do you, I, I think we're on very sim, very similar pages. We are. And so now I'm curious who disagrees with us vehemently and thinks we're the crazy people, you know? Reach out to you know, us. You know where to find us. You we know where to find talk us. Talk about this every show. Yeah. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Mm-hmm. George handles the Twitter page. So if you've got some beef with George directly, go to Twitter. Bring it. <laughs> <laughs> He's ready. <laughs> yeah. No. I, All right. I, let's, let's, go, let's go through our social media links. Uh, go ahead. Facebook at Nice Place to Brew. Instagram at Nice Place to Brew. And Twitter is at Nice Place to Brew as well, I believe. Yes, it is. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we have a website. George is a 
very famous web designer. Oh, God. <laughs> That's a lie. com. <laughs> and if you need to get in touch with us, go to Twitter. George is the guy. <laughs> so, Any other closing thoughts, my friend? No, I mean, I believe we've kind of talked this topic through and I think that we're relatively on the same page with this. Um, you know, I mean, it's there, definitely from a business perspective, this was a smart move from a beer perspective and a community perspective. Time will tell. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So yeah. maybe we'll do a, um, maybe we'll do a 12 month recap a month, uh, or I should say, a year from now, we'll do a uh, we'll do a uh, bo- uh, Boston Dogfish Head uh, one year check in. Where are they now? <laughs> so, where, where, yeah, right. where are they now? <laughs> I'm fine with that. I'll do it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, I, so uh, we talked about it before, but we are going to keep doing this on a uh, probably close to bi-weekly format. Uh, and yep. so keep keep an eye out for us and we'll, uh, we'll continue to bring out content for you guys and talk about these things and hopefully not um, alienate too many people with our cautious optimism. <laughs> so. All right. Shall we raise a glass? We shall. All right. It takes a lot of good beer to make great beer. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>